Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here on a Wednesday. And I've been promising a draft episode for weeks now, really. And I've kind of left it to the last minute. But uh, we are going to get it done here. Just a few days out from the 2020 NBA draft. Clearly, a lot of interest from Bucks fans. And uh, as I always say, I don't profess to be a draft expert here. So that's why I brought in this man, Spencer Perlman, who uh, you can find his work. You'll see his work over at the Stepien. He was with the Suns as a draft consultant in 2019 and a director of scouting at SAC Sports Family. Spencer, I, I can't imagine how busy this time is for you. So I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely very busy, but I love, I love basketball. I love talking. I love talking basketball and podcasts. So thanks for having me. So you were telling me, what's, uh, what's the podcast schedule for you this week? What are, what are we talking? Because I, I feel like your voice is going to be heard right across uh, all, basically the fan bases of all NBA teams, it feels like. And my goal is to be on every podcast, <laughs> for at least one fan base, like before the draft. So I have, what, nine days? I have eight days to get another 24-ish out of the way. Um, but uh, yeah, yesterday was was the Pacers uh, locked on Pacers. I just finished up locked on Knicks. I'm doing the Bucks one now. I have a Celtics one tomorrow, and then I have a Knicks uh, like movie type thing on Friday. Uh, very busy. <laughs> it's kind of interesting because I, I remember last year. I'm obviously back in Australia now, but last year on draft night, I was still in Milwaukee, and it was one of the most boring nights of my whole entire life. We were at the practice facility. We're in the film room, which, by the way, uh, very comfy chairs in the film room. Shout out to the Bucks for that. But uh, they didn't have a pick. They didn't have a pick for the whole night. So we literally just sat there, watched the draft, and uh, waited for the night to end so we could all go home. This year, a little bit more interest in the Bucks with pick 24. We don't know if they're going to look to include that in a trade. We don't know if they're going to pick up uh, a prospect here. But we are going to break this down from guards and wings. Before we do, uh, I do just want to ask from your perspective and scouting, and we had Sam Vecini on the podcast a while back and I asked the same question for him, but how have you found this year? Clearly, it just feels like so long since we saw any of these guys play. So how has that changed your job? How has that made it difficult? Has it been uh, not as big a, a impact as what you would have suspected? What's this year been like? Um, I mean, it's obviously been very different because you usually don't have the eight month lull between the final game and the draft. Um, but that's also kind of been a blessing in disguise because it allows you to go back and develop, you know, new opinions um, just the more you spend watching the games. So like if you had asked me back in March, what my top 30 or top 50, whatever, 60 um, big board would have looked like, it would have been much different than, than what it looks like now. So, you know, it's, it's good for that reason. And I'm sure um, some agents are also, you know, even though they're paying for all the training and 
uh, putting them up in housing and stuff like that. I'm sure, you know, if someone goes from a 30th potential pick to 14, 15, they're more than willing to pay the price. Um, so, you know, it's different for them too, but it's like, I'm just ready for this year's class to be over with. Cause I want to, <laughs> I want to look at Cade and the Jalen's and you know everybody else in next year's draft. Interesting. So, is there a player uh, or who is one name that stands out to you then, just with your uh, you know, mock draft, big board, whatever you want to uh, go by here? Who is the player that has risen uh, uh, significantly uh, over the course of 2020, despite really not having the opportunity to play that much? Yeah. So, I think. I think Desmond Bain is probably one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, full disclosure, like, you know, I, I'm their director of scouting. Um, <laughs> so, like, I, I'm still, I think I'm incredibly unbiased. Like, you know, I know his strengths and weaknesses. But, you know, if you, if you go back to March and if you looked at where he was on some mocks and some boards compared to where he is now, he went from a mid-second round pick to, you know, a mid-first round pick. Um, you know, the 15 to, like, 24-ish range. So, you know, in the buck sweet spot. Um, I think Tyrell Terry's definitely risen like a lot. Um, another guy who went from, you know, late first round pick, early second round pick to seemingly solidifying himself as a, uh, as a first round lock, uh, potentially a top 20 pick. Um, Patrick Williams has risen a lot apparently as of late also. Um, like I had him, you know, around the mid teens or so basically since March. So he hasn't risen that much, you know, maybe having closer to 10 now. Um, but, you know, other guys, the same thing. He was late first, maybe 20s pick. Now he's potentially top 10. Um, so, yeah, those are those are some of the biggest risers. All right. Well, let's move into the guards now that the Bucks could potentially look at in pick 24. And everything I read, everything I hear suggests that this draft is really interesting because while perhaps – the top and the top five is a little more uncertain than it is in other years, and it could go a variety of different ways. There does seem to be uh, some real optimism from sort of pick 10 to pick 30, pick 35, and it looks like there could be some players there that become real contributors. So is, is that how you analyze this draft? Do you think that pick 24 uh, straight up is a kind of interesting selection and interesting range to be in with this class? I, I, I love that pick. Just like, like I think that's that's the sweet spot because in terms of value, you're going to be paying, you know, not no, nowhere near $10 million a year, $8 million a year that you could potentially paying for a high lottery pick. Um, you're not going to be really put on, there's not going to be much pressure on you to maybe select someone who has a higher quote unquote bust potential, um, but maybe a slightly higher all-star potential, a superstar, whatever potential. Um, and particularly, particularly with the Bucks, you know, the team that's trying to win now, there are a whole bunch of guys in the twenties who, you could plug and play day one and be like not only role players, but be positive impact players. So I, you know, I, I love the twenties, like, you know, anywhere in the twenties, I'm sure you can find somebody really good, actually worth your value. All right, Spencer, the NBA draft is just days away. We know that. And the locked on NBA podcast is mock draft in every first round pick. I've taken my selection. I'm going to reveal that in just a little bit here who I picked, and we'll talk about that player uh, as this podcast rolls on. But you can listen to the Locked On NBA podcast every day leading up to the draft to hear projections of each pick and expert analysis from Chad Ford, the Athletics' John Hollinger, and Sports Illustrated's Jeremy Wu. Check the feed to catch up on past shows and don't miss a pick. Subscribe to Locked On NBA today wherever you get your podcasts. 
And now uh, a quick note about our friends over at Built Bar, home of the best tasting protein bar ever made. They have 18 amazing flavors, six new, uh, and the 12 originals that include peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel. I could keep rolling here. Uh, The best thing about Built Bars, covered in 100% chocolate, but uh, still healthy. And that's the crazy thing about it. That's the best thing about it. They are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. Great for those on the keto diet. Uh, great deal for you guys. We have, all you have to do is go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let you roll here, and you can throw out some names. But we may as well start with Desmond Bain because we'll, we'll look at the guards here. Now you said that, uh, and I think it, if you look at most mock drafts, he's anywhere from sort of 16 to 25, 26. So he's certainly going to be in that range. The thing that intrigues me about Desmond Bain, perhaps more uh, than some of the other players, some of the younger players, is he has got that experience. He's 22 years old, four years at TCU, and if you look at the Bucks and you look where they're at in terms of if they're going to draft someone to come into uh, this team and where they are at, they don't have developmental minutes. They just don't. So if you're a guy that comes in as an 18-year-old, 19-year-old that needs time to develop, you're probably not going to play under Mike Boonholzer. So uh, what do you see with Bain? And is he a, a type of guy that can have an impact straight away? Um, yes. So I, I work backwards. I do think he's a plug-and-play impact uh, day one kind of guy. Um, he, he really knows his role on both ends of the court. Um, you'll rarely ever see him on offense trying to do something that he, that's just not in his wheelhouse. He knows he's a shooter. He knows um, he's, you know, a good primary secondary creator, just, you know, creating off pick and rolls, attacking closeouts and kicking it and stuff like that. Um, just like a real team first guy on offense on defense. He has to get a little bit quicker. Um, he knows that and he's been definitely working on that. But in terms of like versatility, he's six six in sneakers. You know, his wingspan isn't great, but my counter to that would then be that he's very active in passing lanes for someone with his wingspan. Like I like to call it functional length, because who cares if you have a seven foot wingspan if you don't do much with it? Whereas though he has a negative one, he's able to get deflections and steals and create events off ball. Um, he's very strong, like two hundred and twenty pounds. Um, he's a very good athlete. So if the Bucks want to switch, I think he can definitely do that. Um, but the, the offense is just really where I, like, I'd love to see that happen because like, he's been studying Joe Harris. He's been studying Malcolm Brogdon. I know they're very different players, but Brogdon's ability to just create plays off the bounce and off the screen and stuff like that, that's very much in Dez's wheelhouse. Same with shooting off movement, and he's got insanely deep range. Um, so when you're trying to create as much space as possible for Giannis to attack or have Middleton play in the mid post, like Des is, he should fit right in there. So you pre-warned me about this guy, uh, and, and I'll, I'll let you take the honors here from San Diego state, 22 years old, six foot one guard. Uh, you, there's what, there's one particular player that you really like in this range. Yeah. Malachi Flynn. Um, you know, some have him grouped in in the in the Trey Jones, Cassius Winston, even Tyrell Terry type. Um, just that hodgepodge, that glutton of point guard somewhere late in the first, and I would take Malachi above them all. Um, he's another plug-and-play guy. He's, he's another elite shooter, both on the ball and off the ball. Um, he's a good finisher in the paint. Um, 
but the defense is another thing that just kind of stands out. And um, there were a few plays that he's had on defense that just kind of like ingrained in my head where, you know, like everyone sees the highlight blocks, like that's great. You know, they obviously can stop two points from recurring or whatever he, you know, the steal stuff like that, that all shows up in the box score. But what Malachi did on those, you know, the, the handful of plays is he'd come from the weak side to actually cut off a roll to box him out. Even though the roll guy is another six inches and 40 pounds heavier than him, he plays well above his size and he's willing to do the dirty work. Um, and, you know, the Bucks have Grant, Grant – second time today, I almost said Grant Hill. Um, <laughs> George Hill. <laughs> um, and I think Malachi kind of has that similar – not like current one who's a little bit slower, but that the team first mentality, I think he's also got – I'm thinking more of like the younger, the younger version of him. Um, or even though the wingspan, you know, he's Malachi's got the six three one versus uh, George Hills, which is closer to six ten, I think. Um, the physicality on defense, just the smarts, like it would be a really good fit there too. So I don't want to keep throwing names at you. Who else would you be looking at from the guard position? I know we've spoke about uh, Tyrell Terry a, a little bit there, and he's a guy that's going to be in that range. I know we did the locked on fantasy mock draft here and you'd have to see the full board to i guess work out why i went with this pick but i went with teo maladon as well now i've just spoke about the fact maybe you don't want a player on the box that's going to need some time to develop uh, he might be one of those guys but where else are you looking at at the guard position if you're the box at 24 yeah um so i mean yeah tyrell terry i definitely look at um obviously a really good shooter um both on and off the ball the thing that scares me with him is that he's very small mm-hmm. um you know 170 pounds and we saw this you know in the playoffs guys being targeted whether it was um you know lou williams or michael porter jr or i mean it wasn't paul Millsap targeted also obviously you know different positions but yeah the idea that having that one weak spot that can just be exploited time and time down that's problematic i think when you're trying to make that really deep push in the playoffs um so i'd probably stay away from terry i think Maladon. i mean you know one person on draft twitter has him as their best point guard um i disagree completely with that um i think that's it's a very bold take um he's he's safe i think in that you kind of know what you're going to get um he's got very good touch in the paint he's a pretty good passer he's not great uh most of his reads are kind of like those basic one you know the first read that you kind of see he'll get that um footwork is pretty good defense needs work he doesn't play physically uh, even though he's six five i think it's seekers like 180 pounds he kind of plays a little bit smaller um there's been again just like the off ball stuff on defense he'd be way too close to his man with like the game on the line in the far corner when he should be playing you know at the at the low block or even like splitting the two he's just like glued to his man sure like it could have been scheme thing but i don't really think he's a particularly good off-ball defender either um you know if you if you're willing to take a few years to develop him he could definitely be worth it but even if he's fully developed i don't really see him being more like much more than a high-end backup point guard or like a medium-end backup point guard um someone who i would definitely be interested if they're looking for a scoring guard would be grant riller mm-hmm. um the guy's built like a pinball, um, just very, very strong, very physical on offense, um, lightning quick with the ball. Just like every move that he makes, it's like 
I mean, yeah, it's like one second he's here, the next second he's six feet away, and, and just in, it's in the blink of an eye. Um, he's a really good scorer from all three levels. He's an incredible finisher. Uh, the defense needs work, um, but he's also more switchable than either of the other two guys, even though he's a little bit smaller than Maladon. He's not that much bigger than Tyrell Terry. Um, but, again, considering that the Bucks are trying to win now, Grant Riller out of those three guys would be my number one choice. Um, and again, it would give them another scoring option, someone who can get into the paint. Um, he could play with Bledsoe, you know, it's, he'd be good fit there. All right. Before we move on to the wings, let's entertain our Marquette fan listeners, Marcus Howard, a guy that I got to tell you, for someone that has no emotional investment to Marquette basketball, I really enjoyed going down to five set for him and seeing this guy play because you know that he's going to get up 20 shots and you know, there's a chance he can go off for 40 or 50 is he going to go late in the second round? Uh, what do you see from Marcus Howard? Yeah, uh, I think there's a chance just because he's that good of a shooter. Yeah. Like, he, he's a nuclear shooter where it doesn't matter really what role you put him in. He's going to just score. Um, similar to Terry, though, I, I'm very concerned about the defense. Um, I think Terry's the better playmaker. But, like, if the Bucks can buy, buy back into the first round – not sorry, buy back into the mm. second round. And if they take somebody else with the first round who isn't Terry, maybe they take more of a wing at 24. Um, if, if they want to pick um, Marcus Howard in the late second, like, honestly, you can, you can do worse there. Like, I think it's more than fine pick just because of the shooting. Uh, there's also a chance that he could go undrafted. So maybe it's not the best value pick, but in a draft like this, if you'd like somebody, just take them and don't think twice about it. All right, let's move on to the wings now. And this is, for me, a really interesting position. So we always talk about the fact that the Bucks probably need more creating, more ball handling. But I, I do think, particularly for a, a rookie, if you can get a, a ready-made wing that can come into this team, there may be minutes. Pat Connaughton is going to be an unrestricted free agent. We've spoke about him a lot. The fact that really has outplayed his $1.6 million contract the last few years. Is he going to get more money elsewhere? We will wait and see. We also don't know what's going to happen with Wesley Matthews. So there could be actual legitimate rotation minutes at the wing, uh, certainly off the bench. So uh, there's a number, again, uh, of interesting options. There's one in particular that this biased Australian is very curious about. Who have you got at the wing that the Bucks should be taking a look at? Um, I think I think they probably have to trade up a little bit to get some of these guys. Um, like Sadiq Bay, I think would be an interesting option. Yep. He's probably going to go, you know, top 18 or so though. Um, but I think he'd be a fit because, you know, he could score from all three levels, even if he might love the mid range a little bit too much. Um, he's a pretty good passer. He's, he's a solid defender in that he won't take many risks, even if he's not much of a playmaker. Um, but having like Middleton and Sadiq Bey and Giannis as the two, three and four or three, four and five, I think could be a really, you know, potentially devastating small ball lineup or just whatever three pair lineup. Um, so yeah, I mean, if they're willing to trade up a little bit, I think Sadiq Bey would be a good option. Uh, Robert Woodard. Um, I really like his game also. He's, you know, maybe a little bit less sexy than the other guys because he's not the, some superstar potential guy. He's not, um, yeah, I mean, he's just not really a superstar potential kind of guy. But, like, the archetype, I think, is just really in that Mo Harkless, just strict 3 and D, um, which 
doesn't have the most value, but when you're as, as athletic as he is, as strong as he is, if you can provide what Mo does, just catching and shooting from three and then defending uh, threes and fours, maybe switching onto twos and maybe playing some small ball five, depending on who the five is. I'm, like, obviously, if Jokic, Nurkic, or any of those guys are playing the five, it's not happening. But if it's a Draymond, you could throw him out at the five, too. Um, then the last one, who I personally think should go much higher than 24, um, Alexei Pokashevsky. <laughs> like, I'm, I know the Bucks don't want to really take the time to develop guys. Um, but I think if he falls to 24, he's someone that you just kind of have to take because he's supremely skilled. Um, just on offense, he's, you know, he's not really a big man because he plays like a wing, but he's the best passer at like his height and that he passes like a guard, shooting guard, small forward, um, you know, wing type player. He's a very good shooter, even if the percentages don't show that. Um, it's mostly because he was used almost exclusively off ball. And uh, there was a lot of movement stuff that he was put in, which for seven feet, that's very impressive. Um, but just the idea of like thinking two years from now, three years from now, say Giannis signs the extension, which I hope he does. Um, the idea of even like a 75% outcome of Poku next to Giannis would change potentially like the NBA landscape. So I'd be interested in it from that angle. Interesting. So just to, to be clear, and you did mention it, but this is an 18-year-old, a seven-foot center. And we always talk about optimizing Giannis uh, playing at the five. Uh, and But certainly, uh, this is a guy that can, that can switch a little bit. He's got the athleticism. And as you sort of said, when if you watch highlights, I mean, he doesn't look like a seven-foot uh, center at 18 years old. So uh, you, you can't even entertain me here with, with Josh Green. Any Josh Green talk here? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. I like green. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think he actually might go a little bit higher. Yeah. Um, but if he's there at 24 and if they want to take him, he's one of like, you know, the three best wing defenders in the draft, um, both on and off ball. Um, he's very, so he, he's not very athletic vertically. Um, but like, on a east-west plane, changing speeds, all that stuff on defense, he's got, like, some of the quickest hips and, like, footwork, I think, of any player in the draft, if not the quickest. Um, so in terms of locking guys down, like, he would be really good there. Um, the shot needs work. Uh, he's got, like, a weird yeah. – like, his knees cave in a little bit. Um, the upper body is kind of, like, tense, it looks like. But – I mean, if he can get to 35% from three, which I think can happen, um, absolutely. Then couple that with the defense, that can be a really valuable player. And then the passing is also really good too. And that's kind of, I think, where Arizona screwed up this past year is by playing Nico pretty much exclusively on ball, which like he could do, but you have another legitimately good secondary playmaker who can who could have moved Nico off ball a little bit more. Like Josh Green's a good passer. Um, it would just provide another playmaking guy for the Bucks, that would, you know, he'd, he'd fit there too. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I, I mean, most of the things we're seeing, the, the green might go a little bit higher than this. And I think there's been reports that Utah are interested at him at 23 anyway. So Matt, perhaps the chances of him being there are pretty low, but obviously for obvious reasons, he is one of the guys 
that I have seen a, a fair bit of. And again, if you're looking at Pat Connaughton and the role that he played, Josh Green, certainly the, the shot is a question mark, as it is with Pat, by the way, but certainly a, a better playmaker. And again, maybe a guy that could come in and, and play some minutes next season. Uh, before I, I look to, to wrap this up, and feel free to, to throw any other names that are interest, uh, interesting to you here, but uh, are there any under the radar, like truly under the radar selections that you could see coming up to pick 24 that would make sense for the Bucks. Perhaps guys uh, that uh, there hasn't been a lot of talk about, particularly in the first round. Um, honestly, I don't really think so. I think, I think a lot of the guys that are projected kind of around that range have already been talked about. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I didn't mention Tyler Bay. Um, he's another name. I think the defense is a bit overrated. Uh, generally, you know, compared to the consensus and what they think of him, like he won Defensive Player of the Year, he should not have won Defensive Player of the Year in the Pac-12. Um, he's not Andre Roberson on offense, though either. Like he's a better shooter. To where Colorado actually had a specific baseline out of bounds play that they ran for him to get him shooting off the move, which you probably are not doing if he's a bad shooter. Um, so I mean, Tyler Bay could fit too. Um, I don't know. I mean, like if you want to really swing for the fences, I guess, and just kind of hope that he stays healthy, Killy and Tilly. Um, he's probably not going to go in the first just because of all the injury concerns that he's had. And he's pretty much been injured every year since he was like a freshman in high school or playing overseas at NSEP when he was like 14, 15. Um, but if he were healthy, he's, he's one of those guys who would have been, you know, a top 20 pick just because he's a big who can space. From above the break, he shot like 40% over the last three years, I think, on 200-plus attempts. Um, he's a good passer. He can actually switch on defense. Like, if you draft him, you're not playing him in drop coverage, you're switching. And he's someone who's mobile enough to stay with smaller guys on the perimeter. Um, so, I mean, Tilly, Tilly, I'd actually like to see there. Yeah, I mean, the Bucks are in a great position. Like, I, I truly think that. I'm not just saying that because I'm on the Bucks podcast. But, like, specifically with 24, there are so many players who they can go with. and the odds of them kind of like picking someone bad, I think are tiny. Um, just a whole bunch of options there. Interesting. And this is what makes it so uh, curious, I guess, for Bucks fans right now, because I think uh, for the most part, uh, Bucks fans are looking at this pick and saying, well, we're going to trade it because we need a, an upgrade right now. But uh, it's, there's some, some room for optimism there. If the Bucks do select a young player who stays on the roster and potentially someone that you can be excited about. Uh, Spencer, Really appreciate you taking time. You said right at the top, uh, you're doing the podcast circuit right now uh, prior to the draft. Uh, you can follow Spencer at SK Perlman on Twitter. I highly recommend that. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. Good luck with the draft.